Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the greatest and the bestest show on the whole of the internet. And that's a big claim, but boy, do we back it up. This is episode 154 of the RR Show. And today we are jumping into malicious compliance. In a study recently, doctors found that 9 out of 10 patients are suffering from a chronic RR Show deficiency. A condition quickly remedied with a prescription for 4 bonus episodes a month dispensed from our Patreon. Go over there, Pick up your prescription and heal those wounds. All right, guys, without further ado, grab your tea, grab your popcorn, and let's go. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Our first story in today is from Joke on U nine seven one nine. Boss fired me for being pregnant. I'm the one who gets paid in the end. The last year during COVID had been a tough year for my family. My husband went from six figures supporting our family on his salary alone while we pocketed my entire salary to losing his job for eight months. I work in political campaigning, which means I work on short-term contracts as an independent contractor. In other words, if we lose an election, I move on to the next race. I made a pretty good name for myself working on the lower levels of a campaign and moving up quickly. In my state, this year, there were statewide elections and I caught a lucky break and ended up the campaign manager on a statewide race. I'm the youngest campaign manager, 24 female, to run a statewide race in about the last 20 years. When the primary came up, we lost the election by 200 votes. While we lost the campaign, coming so close to winning and my age made me kind of a superstar in my field. After we lost, I had offers from all over the state for jobs. The problem is, I had just bought a house and wasn't looking to relocate, like you often have to do in politics. Either that, or the positions weren't high enough considering I'm coming off being the top dog as the higher positions were already filled. I got an offer to join a local campaign, so no relocation, but the salary was lower than what I was used to. I would, however, be the CM again. However, I learned quickly my boss had a holier-than-thou personality. She made several comments about how real women breastfeed and have natural births. I would later be able to do neither and it really screwed with my emotional well-being. I don't have time to list all the red flags, but I was literally just waiting for my husband to get a job so I could exit. The campaign hadn't been built out at all. There was no one other than the candidate. I ended up building out our entire team, consultant, fundraiser, staff, etc. Luckily, I have made a lot of powerful connections in my time. I signed my contract and sent it in with the salary we had agreed on with the stipulation that if we raised enough money three months down the line, my salary would be raised, but could not be lowered at any point. Just a few weeks prior, I had also found out that I was pregnant and my due date was the week of the election, and just a week after joining the campaign, I was also in a serious car accident. Luckily, my pregnancy was safe, 
but I herniated a disc in the car accident and due to my pregnancy there were very few things that could be done as far as helping my back or pain management. If I did my job right, that shouldn't be an issue because my job can essentially be handled from home and the staff can do the rest. I had the team working in lockstep and I was proud of the work I was doing even though only about 10% of my views aligned with the campaign. Then we hit a snag. The candidate's husband got deployed to a rather dangerous place for a month and she completely checked out. She stopped fundraising, which means that everything comes to a halt in campaigning. She stopped putting in the legwork to win. We also lost our only lower staff member during this time. We knew she was worried about her husband, so no one on the team tried to push back very hard. Eventually, her husband came back, and it was go time. There wasn't a minute to waste, and I was back to getting our operation working at full speed. One day, she calls me up to tell me how 20 years ago, her first job as a private school teacher was making as much money as I was now. I also lived in an expensive DC suburb, not the backwards where she grew up. I have multiple college degrees and this job offers no benefits unlike teaching. Not comparable at all. This is when I realized there might be a problem. A couple of weeks later, I told her I would need to take a step back from doing the other staff members' jobs, mostly door knocking because of my injured back and that we would hire someone. Unfortunately, due to the lack of fundraising, it made it hard to pay anyone else, and those duties fell on her. Campaign managers do not typically knock doors. We had a team meeting with the entire team, and I started pressuring the candidate about all the things she wasn't doing, and there was a legitimate meltdown. She started yelling at me about how I wasn't doing my job and... My pregnancy wasn't her problem and how I was the reason everything was failing and then hung up on the entire team. This is where the malicious compliance comes in. After I decided to take a step back from doing all the duties that are typically handled by lower level staff and just focused on doing my job duties, which weren't being appreciated, I pretty much went radio silent and just kept nitpicking at everything. Everyone on the campaign started to grow uneasy, but I told them to just hold out. Well, sure enough, she calls me up and says, since you're pregnant and can no longer knock doors, you can either work for state minimum wage or you can find a new job. Mind you, she knew my husband had been out of work for eight months and thought I had no option at this point, but what she didn't know is that my husband had gotten a job offer that exact day. So I stopped her right there, thanked her for the opportunity and told her I would be working my contractually obligated 30-day notice at my current salary and then leaving the campaign. She then began to scream at me about how she wasn't paying me a dime more and started listing off all the issues she had with the way I was doing my job. I stopped her, thanked her once again and told her all of my finishing tasks would be completed when I received payment for the last month I worked. Yes, she was a month behind paying me, as well as payment for the 30 days notice that she was legally required to pay me whether I continued to work or not. I waited a few hours and she never finalized my termination in writing so I sent her a termination letter thanking her for the opportunity and once again repeating everything we had discussed on the phone. 
Oh, she sent me a nasty email again reiterating that I wouldn't be paid for the previous month or 30 days and listed about 10 things that I had done to be terminated, including that I didn't wear makeup to work every day. So I decided to send this email to the rest of the team and sure enough, everyone quit except for the consultant. In about 5 minutes, she lost everyone she had. Then a friend of mine offered me my dream job working for him, so all in all, it worked out in my favor within 5 minutes of being fired. Well, here's where things get tricky. I realized that my contract that obligates her to pay me for the 30 days noticed isn't signed and I'm screwed. Well, sure enough. In her fits of rage, she starts emailing everyone, talking badly about me. The only problem is I still have access to the campaign email. And I'm seeing every email she is sending. Email saying she wants to keep me on staff but that I need to take less money and that I shouldn't have been dishonest about my pregnancy. So clearly I wasn't doing my job that badly. She just wanted to pay a pregnant woman less. She also asks the consultant for a list of things that I did wrong on the campaign so she will have cause not to pay me for my contract. I notice that the consultant never replies to this email. He tells her that if she wants to fight it, to send him a copy of the contract and he will have a lawyer take a look at it. Well, sure enough, she sends him a signed copy of the contract and once again my contract is valid and she now has to pay me my severance. She has given me every piece of ammunition I need to get paid at this point as well as a wage of discrimination suit for referencing my pregnancy as the reason for my termination. I hire a lawyer. She continues to pester me about turning over all of my work. The thing is, since I'm an independent contractor, I only owe her a final product if I get paid. I reiterate that she isn't getting anything until I've been paid and she can take it up with my lawyer. She begins slandering me to everyone and continues to send emails about me that I'm just collecting. She then calls every friend she has to bully me into giving her what she wants. My response to all of them? Talk to my lawyer. In one final ditch effort, she has the consultant call me, begging me to turn over the stuff. The problem is that the consultant and I are personal friends and he's really unhappy working for her but has contractual obligations. I tell him to tell her the same thing. Talk to my lawyer. Five minutes later, I get a call back from him saying that she's fired him because he refused to throw me under the bus and make up excuses for my termination when he believes I was wrongfully terminated. She fires him too, and now he's out of his obligations. He also tells me the lawyer she sent the contract over to said to pay me. In a matter of two weeks, she is once again at square one with no one on her side. She's out of money and struggling. She finally emails me at 11pm that she's willing to pay me. It's night time and I don't work for her anymore so I don't need to respond at the moment. Well, she starts calling me incessantly and texting me, all of which I'm ignoring. By the time I wake up in the morning, I have 20 texts and 5 missed calls. I tell her I will need to talk to my lawyer at this point and I'll get back to her after he responds. Wow. <laughs> She goes nuclear. 20 minutes later, I'm getting a call from the police and she's claiming that I've been embezzling campaign funds and stealing her data. I have to get my lawyer on the phone and explain the whole situation and why this is a bullshit claim. 
I offer the bank account information for the funds she claimed I stole and proved that they were sitting right there, in her account. She just doesn't know how to access them because I'm usually the one that does that. The police officer thinks she is fucking nuts at this point, because she is, but then informs her that it's considered larceny to withhold my pay and asks me if I'd like to press charges. I say if she refused to pay, then yes. Within two days, I received a check in the mail with my payment and I turned everything over. The funny thing is that my 30-day notice was actually more money than if I'd finished out the contract with the reduced pay she wanted to pay me. I got an extra 700 bucks and didn't have to work for her for the remainder of the time. She ended up losing her election in a swing district by 15 points. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Vote for the RR Show, the best show on the internet. Cast your ballot now by leaving a review on the platform where you're listening to this. Our next story is from R007R. Yes, sir. About 15 years ago, I was in the army and I had what we called a very unique skill set. There were several people in my unit with that specific skill set, but for some odd reason, all of the hot 20 to 26 females got Monday to Thursday shifts and had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, while guys like me got Thursday, Monday night shifts, despite having seniority over some of the ladies in both rank and time on mission. To make things worse, administrative staff like our commanding officer and platoon sergeant, bosses, worked Monday to Friday and weren't willing to budge on us being active during their work hours. This meant that quarterly training like PowerPoints we had to watch for sexual harassment typically occurred both on my day off and in the middle of my sleep time. Given that I worked 16-hour shifts and the round trip to base was an hour, I was perpetually sleep-deprived. Even if I got off work on time and went straight home, I could optimistically get six hours of sleep per day between driving, eating, and showering. This went on for years over my objections. I literally went nearly two years without a concurrent day off with my wife, a day worker. Interestingly, the army did a study demonstrating that after 18 hours of consciousness, you make the same number of stupid and careless mistakes as if you were legally intoxicated. Sadly, no one told my PSG platoon sergeant, aka boss. 
He decided that sleep deprivation didn't matter. In fact, one day when I was transitioning from a junior enlisted, technically a specialist, but if you're not familiar with army rank, think private, to an NCO, sergeant. My PSG decided I needed some NCO responsibilities. Reasonable. We were having a range day. We had to qualify annually with the M16 rifle. And we needed a duty driver to shuttle soldiers back and forth from the barracks. I was volunteered. Suffice it to say that I was on loan to a certain agency and I needed to put in an ops release to miss work. It was rejected due to staffing issues at the time. There was no one else available that could do the certain thing that I could do. I told my PSG and he informed me that the ops release was a courtesy. I was going and it would only take like 8 to 10 hours. But sergeant, I tried to explain. I worked 16 hours straight leading up to the start of this driving and I'd have to work another 14 hours at the end of it. On top of that, as driver, I'd be driving soldiers down winding roads I'm not familiar with in a van bigger than anything I've ever driven before while half asleep. Then at the end of that would be a 40-hour shift. I'd need to drive 30 minutes to get home. Does that seem safe? Safe? Specialist? Do you think the soldiers in Iraq are safe right now? As I said, this is about 15 years ago. Well, no, but at least they're getting hazard pay. You're dismissed, specialist. So, I mean, what could I do? I only fell asleep twice while driving, and both times were at stoplights. I also made every single passenger aware of my sleep situation. Keep in mind, I was already sleep-deprived coming into this. So they made sure to chat with me, bring me coffee, and do other things that decreased their chances of dying in that van. Around hour 38 of this 40-hour shift, an important person swung by my place of duty to check on something. I was literally standing up, leaning against a cubicle, eyes closed, basically asleep, with four empty quad coffees. If Starbucks had a size above venti, it would be quad, sitting on my desk. Per tradition, there was an NCO with the VIP officer. I got chewed out, backwards, forwards, sideways, upside down, in other dimensions I was not hiferto aware of. By military protocol, the NCO beside the angry officer did the chewing out. He threatened me with actual dereliction of duty charges as well. This ended with, now explain to me specialist why on God's green earth you think it's okay to sleep on duty. So I decided to explain to him that I was literally semi-conscious on my feet. I drunk so much coffee I'd started having heart palpitations and decided to stop and that it was hour 38 on duty and I was simply at my limits. I cannot stress enough that important people cared about what it was that I was doing. A lot. Really. Important. People. At this point the officer stepped in. You've been doing this for 38 hours straight? So I explained to her how I'd had to drive the van around during my sleep time and this important mission had informed my unit that I was irreplaceable, but my unit decided it was critical that I, specifically the guy with the irreplaceable skill set who was working shift, be the duty driver that day. I further explained how this wasn't that uncommon, I couldn't even remember the last time I had a week where I was allowed to sleep during my sleep time for the entire week uninterrupted. The number of silly things I had to do instead of sleeping was mind-boggling. Who is your commanding officer? I tried not to smile and told her. Carry on, specialist. Needless to say, by lunchtime, aka the equivalent of maybe 1am for me, I got a phone call. Report to the PSG's office right the fuck now. I sighed. 
To say I was sleepy was something of an understatement, and keep in mind I got home around 8am and had to work again at around 4pm. The round trip to base alone would take me an hour, plus I had to get dressed, be presentable and deal with their nonsense, then undressed again afterwards, then dressed again and drive back. Please explain to me why the command sergeant major just chewed me out over in-house scheduling decisions. So I told him what happened. You told them that? Should I have lied to my mission commander about my level of readiness, sergeant? He turned. Red. Like Santa's cheeks. Not a Norse berserker. No berserker-like traits at all. Nope. I took a totally professional step backwards. He was about 6 foot 2 and 250 pounds of NCO, and I felt like I was hogging all of his oxygen. Get out. It came down from up high that our unit was to have two quarterly training days henceforth. No more waking us shift workers up one to two times per week every freaking week for administrative crap. Period. All missions were informed that our soldiers would be doing one of the two training days. Pick one. Happy ending, right? Yeah, that's not how it ever works in the military when you get someone above you in trouble. What's the nastiest, stupidest duty you can imagine giving someone that was stateside in a strategic unit? The urine analysis guy. For those of you that don't know, it's his duty to plan and execute urine analysis. This requires literally looking at your fellow soldiers' junk because there are a variety of products that can fool a urine analysis and the only way to... You know what, just trust me, it's nasty. Fortunately, there was a loophole. You see, the powers that be are aware of the good old boys system that develops sometimes in the army, and it's really, really important that the guy with the grenade launcher isn't also on crack. As a result, per regulations as they existed at the time, maybe even now, if the urinalysis guy calls a urinalysis, it takes a full bird kernel to cancel it. That's one step down from a general. That's right. When the urine analysis guy decides it's time for your monthly urine analysis, wake up, get in uniform, drive to where he says it's happening, and God help you if you've got alcohol or something in your system. To make matters worse for them, a friend of mine, let's call him Kroger, had been punished for having alcohol in his system during one of their urine analysis. It was on his day off because he was a shift worker, and it was during hours that were duty hours to the day workers but off duty for us. I had about a year left, no intention of re-enlisting, and my unit had already been slapped down by angry people for mucking with me. <laughs> Let's do this. It's malicious compliance time. Imagine this. It's 11pm on a Friday on a long weekend. Long for them, not me. You see, shift workers didn't get holidays off unless we took leave. And I needed mine for family things like Thanksgiving and Christmas because without it I'd have been working every single holiday. The mission must go on after all. Now anyone that's ever seen any army movie know that Joes like to booze and anyone that's ever had to do a urine analysis knows that they can detect alcohol. Mind you, being a urine analysis guy is a big deal. You're on legal orders and everything, entered into Big Army's database. Between the time I began the formal process of calling a urine analysis and the time I would have had them coming in, 3am on their days off since they'd established the precedent that soldiers don't get days off whenever we complained about losing sleep to stuff like this, my orders vanished. 
To this day, I don't know how they did. I suspect the RCO or some other bigwigs were at a party or something and realized that they were about to have to explain, to a full bird colonel, how half of the unit pissed hot in a urine analysis, which would have required, legally required, that colonel having a one-on-one -on -one chat with me about why I chose that time, and perhaps a discussion about how the unit was being run. Yeah, they never gave me another duty the entire time I had left in the army. I never had issue with another leave request, and they generally just left me alone. At the time, I thought it was because I'd made my point that I was sick of their shit, but looking back, I wonder who would have come up positive for what specific drugs during that surprise urine analysis such that they were able to rescind my big army orders in less than one day, and in the middle of the night at that. Well guys, thank you very much for listening, I hope you enjoyed that one, don't forget if you want to chat or hang out, head on over to our Discord, I'll see you over there, and until the next episode guys, peace out, take care. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.